Hello, it's me here, Cam, and I'm here with a confession. I'm pretty new to this podcasting stuff, and so as a result, there were a few audio hiccups in this week's episode. Nothing that makes it unlistenable, I hope. It just means that the audio quality wasn't quite as good as we would have liked. But I hope you'll persevere, because I do think we cover some good stuff. Alrighty, on to the episode, and I promise next time we'll have it all sorted out. Do you, do you like the feeling of power you have as a newspaper proprietor of being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well, there's only one honest answer to that, of course, and that's yes. Of course one enjoys the feeling of power. The newspaper can create great controversies, stir up uh, arguments within the community, discussion, uh, can throw light on injustices, just as it can do the opposite. It can hide things uh, and be a great power for evil. It's not a perfect system, obviously, but can you think of a better one? Hello and welcome to Murdocracy, a podcast that keeps an eye on the news and influence of News Corp, the most influential media company in the Western world. I'm Cam Wilson. And I'm Sammy Shaw. Hey, Sammy. How are you? How's your week been? It's been uh, pretty, it's been, you know, pretty interesting. It it wasn't as good as, uh, let's say, Pierce Morgan's week, but uh, as weeks go, I can't complain overall. (laughs) <laughs> you mean you didn't get signed to a global deal? Not yet, but I am holding out hope. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, one of the things that Piers Morgan has been described of by, um, you know, his boss, Rupert Murdoch, as, have, is, as having balls bigger than brains. And I feel like that's something you can definitely say about me as well. You know, I, totally. I took the vaccine. Uh, I've been vaccinated twice now. I've got my second <laughs> dose of AstraZeneca. And if Nicki Minaj is right, my balls should expand to be larger than my brain soon. And then maybe I can get a show on Sky. Yeah, well, the, the the week's still young yet. We've got a little bit of time in it. So, you know, keep an eye on that inbox. <laughs> Definitely. How about yourself? My week's been good, Sammy, and I'm pretty excited for this episode. Later on, after the news uh, of News Corp this week, we'll be chatting to Greens Senator Sarah Hansen-Young about uh, she's chairing the Senate Inquiry into Media Diversity, which is looking at, among other things, uh, the influence of News Corp uh, on Australia's media and our, and our politics. I'm very excited for that. And But before we do, Mm. I just wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping. And the first thing I wanted to say is I've been absolutely blown away by the interest in this podcast. Thank you all to everyone who's joined so far. We've had hundreds of downloads. We've had people tell us how keen they are for it. Sammy, did you kind of expect this kind of response? I I, look, I thought there was a... When you came up with the idea for the podcast, so, you know, one of my, my initial reaction was, I can't believe no one else has already done this. It seems like it's such an obvious... Um, there is an obvious appetite for it. And, you know, you were 100% right. There, there's, there clearly is. People have been wonderful. We've gotten lovely messages. Um, lots of people have recommended it to other people, which is always the best thing when word of mouth ha- happens for a podcast. Um, but yeah, it just, I, I, you know, I'm not surprised how much people want something like this, but I am surprised by how much they've uh, been supportive of us. I was, I was hardened by it. I wouldn't say I, I was super surprised, but I was still, you know, very, very um, excited by it. So thanks mm. everyone for uh, agreeing to join us on this journey. And uh, yeah, I hope we, we, we do you all proud. Just two other quick things for housekeeping. First thing, if you have somehow ended up here by accident, uh, you can subscribe to us on uh, your podcast service of your choice. There's a whole bunch that we're on. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on a few other as well. Pretty much any of 
them, you can just search Murdocracy. And if you do, it means that you will be able to uh, get us beamed into your ears every week automatically. You won't have to seek us out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, um, you know, it, I don't know how most people listen to their podcast, but uh, I listen through a podcast app and I find subscribing to the podcast is usually the most reliable way of listening to it week after week. Totally. And the second thing is we would like to build a bit of a community around this. And and so we've actually got a Facebook group. Uh, if you just search uh, Facebook for Murdocracy, you'll see it, uh, where we're going to post the, the episodes, but also throughout the week, post news that comes up. There's always plenty that's happening, too much to cover in the podcast, and we really want to invite you to it. So if you, if you just search Facebook for Murdocracy, you should be able to find it there. Yeah, and then there's already some lively debate and discussion going on. And, and, you know, people have tweeted me saying, hey, what about this story? You, you know, have you thought about that? And so definitely, if there's stories you'd like us to talk about and the podcast isn't out yet or, you know, we have not yet covered it, post, you know, we'll post it up in the Facebook group and, and get a good, good conversation going. Yeah, we'd love, love to hear from you on this. Mm. All right. Shall we do it? On to the news of the week. Let's do this. The first story this week... Pierce Morgan is coming to Australia, sort of. This week, News Corp announced that they had secured a global deal with the controversial conservative former editor of the UK News Corp tabloid. As part of that deal, Morgan will be appearing on a new show on UK channel Talk TV, US streaming service Fox Nation, and yes, of course, Sky News Australia. In a press release, Morgan said, I can't wait for my new show to start airing on Sky News Australia, putting the woke world to rights. Most Australians share my straight-talking, no-nonsense, common-sense view of life. Sammy, what's your take on this deal? Is this a big coup for Sky News Australia? I I mean, look, any... any channel that gets Piers Morgan, whether I like to admit this or not, will get a ratings bump, I think. Um, you know, he is reliably good, uh, controversial television. And, um, and, you know, w- whether it's pissing off people who like Meghan Markle, whether it's pissing off the royal family, whether it's pissing off, you know, um, anyone with good taste and, and standards and a sense of morality, you know, Piers Morgan will piss people off. And, and, and getting him on Sky News seems like a no-brainer. I, I would have assumed that they were already broadcasting reruns or something. So it's a bit surprising that this is not something that was already in place. And he's got, he's got such a long-standing relationship with the Murdochs that it's not like he was suddenly going to surprise all of us and end up on, you know, writing a column for The Guardian or, or being a new ABC presenter on Overnight to Drive. It's, um, <laughs> you know, this was the only place he would go and it kind of makes sense that he'd go there. But still, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, he has said that he might be British, but he swears he has always loved Australia and whether we like it or not, there is that whole part of Australian media viewing audience that does have a frustration with woke left and wants to see more of it, you know, taken to task. And, and you know, the, the continued reputations and careers of Andrew Bolt and Alan Jones, for example, are evidence of that. And Piers Morgan is kind of the proto-Andrew Bolt. You know, he's Andrew Bolt before Andrew Bolt was Andrew Bolt. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit more sceptical about how big of an influence this will have. Because, look, people like Piers Morgan, there are other international commentators who are kind of the same, have existed for a while. And, you know, there's been other late-night television shows that are broadcast on Australian television. And they 
at least as far as I know, have never really got that much attention. So mm-hmm. the idea that we would be introducing Piers Morgan and all of a sudden he would bring in this huge new audience, to me, seems a little bit un- unlikely. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's certainly a, a, a potential for that to happen. And, and I do think the fact that if you watch things like Sky News, you realise that a lot of what they do talk about is those kind of uh, international culture war uh, talking points and topics. I mean, that being said, I I just, I'm not sure that it is going to be really that, that big. Um, I'm not sure that they're going to necessarily replace any of their, their current, you know, after dark opinion hosts mm-hmm. with a international um, speaker. Uh, and, and also like, you know, to me, I don't really see how this is any different from Piers Morgan already having all of his content available on YouTube. I mean, anyone who wanted to go watch a full Piers Morgan show up until recently could just go and watch him on YouTube. I think that this is just going to get whacked on at some kind of weird hour and uh, probably end up being a little bit more of a fizzer than a coup. Well, look, it's one of the things where we also have to remember that Australia does serve as a sort of clearing house, or retirement village rather, not a clearing house, I'd say a retirement village for right-wing nut jobs from around the world, you know. This is when Milo Yiannopoulos needed uh, some extra bit of cash, you know, he used to come down to Australia and do a quick tour and and make some extra money while um, Mark Latham kissed him awkwardly. Or (laughs) when um, Lawrence Southern decided that, you know, Canada had had enough of her, America had had enough of her, England had had enough of her, pretty much everyone in the world had had enough of her, she revitalized her career in Australia. So if you're basically one of these culture warriors whose entire output is just, you know, a reliable output of outrage, um, then, you know, Australia serves as a great location for that. What's interesting is the point you make. He's not fully committing to Australia. This is a show that's, you know, in America and in England and in Australia. And it's more like a franchise or, you know, it's just get, it's like getting streaming rights for an HBO TV show. So whether or not that'll work out, I, it should be interesting to see. But yes, I do think that, yeah, you know, whether I'd like to admit it or not, maybe this is me just being extremely skeptical, but his statement that most Australians share my straight talking, no nonsense, common sense view of life, um, I don't think that, you know, what he does is straight talking, no nonsense, common sense. But yes, I do think many Australians do share his extremely triggered, you know, prone to walking out the moment anyone disagrees with him. Life. <laughs> I think for me, the more interesting part out of this is how News Corp is now looking at these US, UK and Australian markets as a kind of more of a network, looking to syndicate content mm. more clearly, particularly on their their TV. I mean, up until recently, Sky News was kind of the forgotten uh, a brother or sister of these other networks. The UK didn't really have a Murdoch um, television channel, and of course, we all know about Fox News. Now they are viewing these kind of deals, these 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 people that they're signing these content deals as something that they can, uh, you know, show across all their stables, and uh, what I'm I'm trying to say is that we're now seeing a bit more of an alliance and and a more Mm. internationalization of this content. So the question here is then, is this a bonus? Like, is this a boost for Morgan? Or is this a relegation for Morgan? Like, is Piers Morgan getting this deal an achievement for him? Or the fact that he now has to do one show that goes to America and England and Australia um, on, you know, on fairly questionable channels more of a step down in his career. 
I reckon it's got to be it's it's a it's a step up because I think just the sheer size of the audience mm. will probably or I guess the sheer potential size of the audience will be bigger because look I know he's been on other channels before but the idea that your your TV show will be potentially viewable by people in three countries not to mention all the online audiences of course that you'll be able to use has to be a boon at, at least kind of going forward well, I mean, one of those, uh, you know, his Twitter profile, I don't know whether it still has it, but it used to have this quote that he attributed to his grandmother, which was one day you're cock of the walk and the next you're a feather duster. So um, I guess he's feeling like a bit of a cock of the walk right now. <laughs> exactly. Moving on, Nine Papers Nick Bonnie-Hady reports that News Corp Australia has told its Sydney printing staff that they must get a vaccine by Sunday evening or get shut out of the workplace. In a podcast this week, News Corp Executive Chairman Michael Miller said, I'd prefer not to send someone on a round in which they could be exposed to the coronavirus, but they chose not to vaccinate. Do you mandate that or do you move them to another round question? This strong view on the vaccine seems to go against some of his company's own talking heads. Sammy, is this a case of do as I say, not as I do? <laughs> it's uh, How is this any different from, you know, when, uh, in, on Fox News in America, where basically their entire staff has got a vaccine passport kind of mandated for the staff. And, and, you know, staff members are all vaccinated. They all have to be vaccinated and have to show proof of vaccination to enter the building and to continue working there, including some of the more controversial presenters they've got. Yet those same presenters will then call any kind of vaccine passport, vaccine mandate and apartheid. Um, so, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's very uh, typical of the News Corp ethos, which is, um, you know, they'll decry free speech. But, you know, let's see if someone criticizes Rupert Murdoch on their networks. They, you know, they, or, they'll, or they'll cry out for free speech rather than decry it. And they'll, you know, so they will cry out for uh, freedom from vaccines while everyone over there is vaccinated. Look. As a pro-vaccine person, all I can say is the more people vaccinated, the better the world is for it. So if, if News Corp staff is vaccinated, I don't care as much about the hypocrisy as I care about the fact that we're getting a lot closer now to 80% population vaccinated. Yeah, let's do it. Our next story is around the speculation that Foxtel may be set to go public. The pay TV and streaming company, which is 65% owned by News Corp, is likely to face questions about a potential IPO, according to the Australian's Bridget Carter. Foxtel has seen big growth during the pandemic, reporting 2.1 million streaming customers, that's up 130% over last year, and it includes services like KO Sports and Binge. Mm -hmm. Sammy, what I found interesting about this is that a lot of this growth has nothing to do with their news and editorial content. But it, to me, it just shows how wide their reach is as a company, no? I mean, look, it's one of the things where, for example, I'm a binge subscriber, right? And the reason I'm a binge subscriber is because where I can, it's where I can watch the HBO shows and it's where I can watch what we do in the shadows and, you know, why the last man and stuff. And would I like to not have to give them my money? Sure, but... Uh, Clearly, I'm a hypocrite and I would much rather pay for a good TV show than uh, not pay for it. So there is that and, and, and many other people feel the same way, I'm sure. But Foxtel may have, you know, they may have touted the fact that, you know, their earnings have gone up. So, you know, one of the things that we know is that it's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization jump 13%. So you know, $77 million is what their earnings went up by mm -hmm. in uh, the third quarter. But... Their revenue dropped 
there was a 4% drop in revenue. So even with all of this achievement, even with a large, you know, a largely locked in audience who's trapped at home and has to watch streaming shows and they've got some great streaming shows and they own the sports, basically, they're still not turning a profit per se. And that's going to be really hard to convince stock, you know, shareholders and, and people in the stock market to really get behind them on. Yeah, it is interesting how Foxtel transitioning from their pay TV uh, model, which is kind mm. of, you would say, going the way of the dinosaurs, to the streaming model, clearly is cutting out a fair bit of revenue for them. Because, I mean, to put it bluntly, Foxtel uh, is a lot more expensive than things like KO and Binge. And, and they're hoping that more people will kind of get into it. It makes it easier. Uh, Foxtel is still kind of, it seems like it's targeted at, you know, dads who want to watch the footy and will, will shell out, you know, up to like a couple hundred bucks a month if they're mm. really paying for everything. Uh, you're not getting that same kind of revenue from from binge or ko the other kind of interesting thing is that even though these other um i guess uh, products that they're offering seem quite separate from their news and editorial sections they still do have this ethos in the company of cross promotion and you'll notice that if you have the uh, i think it's the ko app Mm -hmm. um, it gives you a stream still of Sky News Australia. And, and, and I, I personally don't have it, but I've, I've heard that it is, and in the past has been positioned quite prominently. So it really, you know, they, they do kind of promote all this stuff. And, you know, in a way, you know, someone having KO, just choosing to watch the sport, may be also a bit of a Trojan horse to get their media <laughs> taste to go into some of the other News Corp's um, products, some of their news products, so that they can hopefully, you know, either earn advertising revenue from watching them or kind of even get subscription revenue from you signing up to one of their papers. Look, comedians do corporate gigs to subsidize the stand-up comedy that they love doing but doesn't earn them very much money at all. This isn't any different from that. All it is, is News Corp realizing that Sky News doesn't earn them big bucks, but if they want to keep paying Pierce Morgan his um, his fee and, uh, you know, whatever his rider might require, then, yeah, they've got to earn some more money using KO Sports and Binge. Uh, which ones do you subscribe to, by the way? Uh, oh, God. I am about on everything. I think I'm on... So I've got Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, Binge, mm -hmm. I have Stan, mm -hmm. and I also have Amazon Prime. I'm, Disney I'm actually uh, no, I don't have Disney Plus. I don't have a toddler, oh, so I don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to, or children, so I don't have to amuse them with Disney Plus. I'm actually thinking. Of My daughter does not watch anywhere near Disney Plus as I do, and I, I, I <laughs> extremely offended by that insinuation. They've got the new What If Marvel TV show, and it's damn good. Oh, ah, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, uh, those products which are totally for adults. I'm actually thinking <laughs> of getting rid of of Netflix out of all of them. I know they were the kind of OG, but I've mm. kind of found that their stuff is really dropped off. That's a very interesting point. I probably watch Binge, which is the Foxtel-owned app, more than I watch any of the others. And that's largely because it shows HBO content. So... Yeah. Good for you, New Scope, I guess. Including Succession, which is uh, yes. definitely, you'd say, loosely based off the Murdochs, uh, I think is um, fair to say. It's funny that mm -hmm. they've ended up carrying it in Australia. Uh, moving on, uh, so 10 days after the City Morning Herald claimed that Murdoch was turning over a fresh uh, green leaf, according to <laughs> Amanda Meady in The Guardian this week, um, Andrew Bolt was already pushing back against their campaign for leading economies to hit net zero by 2050. And he was warning his readers to look out for what he said was, quote, global warming, 
porn, unquote. Mm. Um, Bolt was in the Herald Sun saying that global warming is good for us, saying that farmers are on track to break the record for growing crops and raising animals, which is kind of interesting, actually, because I know that we're, we're doing quite well in Australia um, amid global, uh, sorry, amid climate change but that's because we're actually quite good at at, um at uh, kind of innovation but there was another report that actually came out from the same bureau saying that farmers have lost thirty thousand dollars every year for the last 20 years because of climate change Mm -hmm. but i I know that bolt did mention that he also said how often will you let the fear mongers mislead you before you realize that what of that much of what the media tells you about global warming might not be true sammy does bolt's uh, uh, talk on this change how you feel about their campaign well one of the things that's interesting about it is it at least it shows that their editorial mandate for example isn't as mandated as you know you would think it is so the assumption is that well now that they, the bosses up top have decided nope we got to make it a lot more green and a lot more talk about climate change in a more positive sense you would think that every single person hops into line but it turns out that some people within their stable will continue to keep their own points of view and independent points of view so it speaks in <laughs> And I say this extremely carefully and cautiously, it speaks well to the editorial freedom in some ways that Fox News might have. Um, No, sorry, not Fox News, Sky News might have. Um, But also, you know, at the same time, it's a bit telling that Bolt's comment that don't trust the media on climate change is coming from a guy who is literally a part of the media. So, (laughs) you know, it's a bit of a self-own or maybe it's it's a warning that he's providing for us to pay attention to. Hang on, I'm not sure that it's actually showing what you say it's showing because <laughs> because I, I don't think within the within you know areas like uh, Sky News as we often pick on there really is that kind of editorial. Well, it's not that there isn't that editorial mm-hmm. freedom, but it's that you can use that editorial freedom in some ways, but you don't seem to have that freedom in other ways. Yes, like you don't see people on Sky News, for example, or you don't see people in the Australian, which is you know run these kind of anti-trans campaigns, you don't see them suddenly, you know, people running really positive coverage on that. And that's because, you know, this kind of editorial freedom, this freelancing we're seeing from Andrew Bolt, and I'm sure we're seeing from Rowan Dean and, and, you know, many of the other usual suspects, is allowed because that that freedom is allowed on topics that they have traditionally, uh, you know, or, or editorial lines that they have traditionally walked. I don't really think that you're going to see it the other way. So I'm not sure that this is like uh, News Corp is, 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 you know, this this example of unfettered free speech in any direction. So here's my question then. Are we not likely to see, um, you know, let's say pro-trans, pro-leftist points of view, pro-identity politics points of view on the in the Australian on Sky News because editorially they are frowned upon or because the stable of talent and reporters and journalists and editorial columnists and stuff um, just, you know, for a variety of reasons, happen to all have the same philosophies on those issues. And that, you know, if, for example, one of them changed their mind and decide to write a pro-trans article, that article might get published. The problem is we'll never know because none of them changed their minds ever. Mm. Yeah, good question. I mean, it's 
probably partially self-selecting. Like, I, mm. I don't see any hardcore leftists being like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna audition for a Sky News Australia gig. But uh, really, this actually comes down to the decisions of their management. And, and I'll give you insight based on my having worked inside media companies. I've never mm. worked for News Corp, but I imagine it's kind of the same. Where you have editors look at the stable of their writers, of their columnists, of their opinion writers, even of the, the, the issues that their reporters like to cover. And they say, am I covering you know, a wide variety of viewpoints that I think that my audience would like to hear? And of course, you know, that, that, I guess the limits of that viewpoint will, will differ. Like, you know, Crikey, I think unashamedly probably has always been significantly more on the left of News Corp. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do publish some right-wing stuff and, and, I, and I know that they, like editors, have actively looked for more. I don't think that there are, you know, people in, in, in the Australian, you know, the editors of the Australian um, staying up uh, late at night being <laughs> like, do you know what? We need some more pro-socialist viewpoints. And the fact that we don't is a real failing. I, I just don't think that they're worried about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that point of view at all. But yes, it, it's, it's just one of those things where um, we, you know, we will never know the inner workings of a place like the Australian or Sky News when it comes to the editorial decisions. But uh, all we can do is make educated guesses. And some of those educated guesses don't paint a very pretty picture. Finally, this is actually a story from last month that didn't get much attention, but I thought I might mention. Hmm. From Media Week, News Corp is partnering with Google Australia to run an education program each year to train 250 journalists from news publications, along with other smaller and regional publishers. The quote was, training opportunities will range from instant online tutorials to a formal education curriculum and exploration of the latest innovations in reporting and storytelling and will include a major annual conference as well as a US study tour for a select group of trainees. So, I mean, to me, this sounds cool. I mean, you know, why not train journalists, including uh, including small publishers to be better at digital stuff? But also, to me, it's an example of this undercovered um, partnership between News Corp and Google. What do you think? I think if anyone should be training the future journalists of the world, it's News Corp and Google working together. So <laughs> that's definitely going to lead to some quality journalists with really wide open points of view. Um, look, I mean, anyone who's willing to put money into training journalists, and this sounds like it's actually got a really good amount of money behind it and a good, and a good program, a US tour and um, you know, major annual conference, all that stuff sounds great. It might also just be a massive organ harvesting scheme that we, you know, will discover <laughs> a lot of young journalists waking up in bathtubs with their with their kidneys missing. Who knows? Only time will tell. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I'm a little skeptical about it. You know, I'm always skeptical when a major corporation decides to start training people out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, so let's see how much of a corporate social responsibility program this turns out to be. Yeah, look, for me, it's more of a kind of story about the media industry generally. There was a quote in there that I actually found really chilling, which was, the Digital News Academy's mandate is to equip this generation of journalists, editors, and publishers with the skills to empower their storytelling through a curriculum based on the commercial realities of today's media industry. Mm. The, the commercial realities of today's media industry. Can you sound more like Duma? <laughs> it's going to be a lot of cat videos and TikToks. <laughs> One of the few possible people making News Corp executives sweat at the moment is Sarah Hansen-Young. 
She is leading the charge for changes to Australia's media industry as part of the Senate's investigation into media diversity. And we're lucky to have her here today. Hi, Senator. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you. After former Labor PM Kevin Rudd led the charge for a Murdoch Royal Commission, you were actually the one who, who put the motion that led to the Senate inquiry that's happening now into media diversity. Why did you decide to take this up? Well, I had been watching the um, change in News Limited and uh, the Murdoch News Empire for quite some time, but really I was uh, just shocked at the vast number of people, regular Australians, who uh, I realised had the same concerns that I did uh, and uh, wanted action. I don't think you can have a petition like that that was officially sent to the parliament uh, and have it ignored. Over half a million people participated. They they deserved some type of action. And so that was the first motivation. Um, but, of course, you know, I've been an uh, environment activist and a human rights activist for a long time, long before I was in parliament and during my time in parliament. And I have seen uh, the way the Murdoch press uh, has covered uh, those issues. But increasingly I've been concerned with the way the Murdoch press has covered uh, climate change um, and that really came to a head for me during the bushfires and uh, I felt like this was an opportunity for uh, others uh, who have these concerns to to have to have this looked at by the parliament. I, I want to go off something that you just said talking about News Corp's influence in Australia you know you've been a politician in Australia uh, a federal politician for 15 years on the left how do you see News Corp influencing the debate? Not, you know, what the influence is, but what are they actually doing that shapes how politics works uh, in Australia? Well, ultimately, uh, News Corp has put themselves in a position where they pick and choose winners uh, politically. Uh, they decide, uh, uh, you know, very blatantly who uh, they want to be the Prime Minister, which government they want to win. Uh, and, uh, then it goes beyond that to, to what types of issues. And climate change is uh, a classic example of that and probably the one of the most important. And it's not lost on me that uh, only in the last few days we've seen announcements in relation to uh, News Corp now deciding to choose a campaign to back, uh, you know, some type of climate action. You know, we'll, we'll hold our breath as to, uh, you know, what that really looks like. Um, but that says everything to me. Uh, about how they've held back climate action and now how, because it's suited them, uh, because, uh, you know, the, the, the Murdoch clan have decided that it's a good thing, uh, that it's inevitable and they have to do it, and well, now there's a campaign. Um, uh, I, I don't see a better example, frankly, of how they flex their muscles, they use their influence, and um, a lot of this has been brought out throughout the uh, Senate inquiry. A lot of the evidence w w we've had, uh, one of the witnesses that we heard from was uh, Michael Mann, of course, a uh, climate scientist in the US who has been in huge tussles with the Murdoch Press uh, and News Corp in uh, America, but elsewhere. And uh, it wasn't lost on me when he said in our inquiry, well, why are you, where are the Australian climate scientists speaking out about the influence of Murdoch and News Corp? Uh, why is it left to uh, somebody in the US to talk about the impact that they're having on the Australian uh, political landscape? So um, 
yeah, look, I, I, I think it's plain for people to see. The issue is what we do about it. Um, and can we do something about it? And, and, and I think that's, that's really at the crux of, of what we're trying to, to uncover in this Senate inquiry. I'm, I'm curious how you think that you personally have been covered by News Corp. Um, and, and to give a bit of context, you know, I am an internet reporter. I spend a lot of time in some uh, pretty gross parts of the internet, and I do see how some of the lines and I would say targets or, or, or campaign people get focused on by News Corp get treated in those kinds of circles as well. I've seen you be one of the, the I guess, lightning rods, uh, not in, I think, a good way from people who are not huge fans of what you do. Uh, do you see that is coming from somewhere? Do you think that there's any link to how you're treated by News Corp? And do you have any kind of comment broadly about it? Um, look, I mean, uh, yes, I've had my fair share of um, uh, kind of uh, hack jobs done um, over the time. And, you know, I've taken some of it to court. <laughs> I've, um, I've, I've called, I've, I've learned to call it out. Um, I've copped a lot of it just on the chin and just, you know, moved on to the next thing. Um, uh, but what I'm more concerned about is uh, how they treat people who don't have a platform to respond. And, um, you know, uh, this inquiry is uh, about the, the, the kind of, you know, the broader political implications. But what we have heard is stories from people who have been um, uh, attacked, who have been uh, kind of had hack jobs done on them, uh, have been brought down, uh, kind of consistent campaigns against them. Um, uh, and, you know, and, and yes, I know what that feels like, but um, I think the issue the issue at hand really is not how I feel about it, uh, but what this does to democracy and what this does to, uh, you know, civil and uh, decent fact-based debate in Australia. That's what I'm mostly worried about. Is not the personal attacks, but the attack the attack on on democracy. Actually, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't I don't want to go into too many of the things that have happened to me because that's not you know I've got a platform to talk about that and and I and you know I've got broad shoulders. Um, uh, I am worried, however, of regular people who have been subjected um, to uh, political attacks from uh, News Corp, seemingly orchestrated. Uh, many women, uh, and there is no recourse for them. Uh, and I think that that in itself uh, is part of a, a broader problem. Um, mm-hmm. it, it strikes me as odd that there seems to be a level of um, dismissal within uh, management uh, of, uh, of News Corporation and the kind of Murdoch empire of being responsible uh, advocates for the types of things that they report on or talk about or, or promote. And, uh, you know, um, the way health advice is being spoken about in relation to COVID and vaccines is a classic example of that. Um, we're all uh, living in this community together and uh, billions of dollars of taxpayers' money, of business uh, goodwill is being spent on trying to fight this virus and keep us all safe. And yet we've got uh, people with a very big platform, people who their own management says that they are popular, uh, using their platform to discredit the work of everybody else, to put people's health at risk, to undermine the health advice, to undermine the very role of of governments, of all persuasions. Um, 
and there seems to be a total dismissal that there that there should be any accountability for those people or any special rules uh, like there are on politicians uh, to behave in a more responsible and community-oriented way. Yeah, and I think what you, you get at there is how, you know, News Corp is, is actually a bit of a broad church in that there are many different arms of it. And you do have, you know, many great journalists there doing work, um, doing normal journalism, many just ordinary people working there. And then you've also got some of these, um, uh, I guess, people a bit further out on the fringes who also seem to get a lot of the attention, but are given prominence as well. It's not just that there's a small minority who we're just focusing on. They are, you know, they seek out and get those large audiences. So I think that is interesting to know. I think it's undeniable that the business model of certain wings of News Corp, Sky News being uh, uh, the primary example, but I would argue that some of the um, uh, kind of daily um, tabloids as well, the, the, the business model is outrage, uh, be as outrageous as possible, create, create a storm and think about the consequences later. Uh, I, I think there is enough evidence both presented to the inquiry but also uh, beyond uh, to show that uh, that's their business model. And if it's not their business model, then what are they doing to clean it up? There, there was an interesting line of questioning that you had when you were speaking to uh, Sky News CEO Paul Whitaker, specifically about the relationship between hosts and producers. And I was, I was curious, why were you interested in that? Uh, it's an issue that has been raised with me uh, consistently through a, throughout this inquiry, both um, uh, by people who have submitted to the inquiry uh, and, uh, and, and people who work within the News Corp organisation, actually, um, either currently or former. I think part of this is the uh, model of outrage and kind of the stars of the show that create the, the, the chaos and the outrage. And they are often uh, put up, uh, whether this is within the opinion pages uh, uh, or um, on, you know, the, the commentators on Sky News. I might point out here, and this is important, the opinion uh, writers, of course, have moved from the opinion pages now, and the outrage is on the front page of the paper often. It's not just news anymore. Uh, you know, the news of the day and the headline can, can just as easily be, uh, you know, the outrage and the, um, and the opinion maker. But I think what happens then is that, there are uh, they're kind of seen as untouchable. Um, they because there is this business model of outrage, and everybody kind of quietly knows that that's that's the model. They become untouchable, and so if you are a junior uh, producer or researcher working on one of these shows or for one of these opinion writers, I think it becomes very difficult uh, for people to in that situation to stand up against it. And I've been, you know, on and off of Sky for, for years, uh, ever since Sky News opened a studio here uh, in Adelaide, which of course is within the News Limited building uh, in the city. Um, the revolving door of young producers, for example, uh, very smart young journalists who want to get their uh, kind of, you know, cut their teeth in the industry. There's not many other journalism jobs going around. Uh, and if you wanted to learn how to do it all, uh, taking on a producer job at Sky News is a really good way. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a great training ground for people, but instantly they become part of this uh, power imbalance. And, um, uh, and you know, from, from what we are continually being told, uh, raising concerns of these issues falls on deaf ears. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I think that power imbalance is throughout the industry. I've, I've worked in radio and I've been a junior producer and I've had that. But the difference is it's the it's it's what the the on air personalities are given the range to do, and so you know they're allowed to you know they've selected types of people who are going to talk a kind of way. They've been given the authority from uh, I guess management, and there's not really anything that producers can do. They're already kind of walking the line. Uh, what's a, it, like is a is a junior producer really going to tell Alan Jones not to say something? I find that to be like quite unlikely, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> Well, that's the point, isn't it? That's the point. And look, uh, I know from uh, my own experience that uh, the uh, incident that obviously ended up uh, with um, in court in relation to uh, the former Senator David Lionhelm uh, defaming me and harassing me, uh, he did that live on air on a television show on Sky News. Uh, It was clearly set up. It was clearly orchestrated, uh, yet it was the junior producer who had actually only come in to, to, as a relief shift that day who got thrown under the bus uh, as an example of Sky Management that they dealt with the issue. Um, of course, Rowan Dean, uh, whose show it was at the time, is still there. And in fact, uh, not just that he, is he still there, his role and uh, prominence on the channel has expanded. So, Senator, this has been, we've heard the problems. It feels, you know, kind of grim. I guess that's the situation we're in. What have you found so far that can be done to change this? Because it's such a thorny problem. What are the kinds of things that you've heard? I mean, you don't have to spoil the report whenever it comes out. I'm sure we'll all read that. But, you know, is there anything so far that has stood out to you as being something that you're like, I can't believe we're not already doing this? You know, uh, it does sound grim, uh, but I'm actually very optimistic. And I'll tell you why. It started right from the beginning when over half a million Australians signed that petition for a royal commission. Uh, People can see what is going on. General members of the community can see what is going on. They want more media diversity, not less. They want more opportunity to uh, access public interest journalism, not less. We have more access to information than we've ever had before, and it's at our fingertips. COVID has really shown people's hungry uh, nature for uh, information. Uh, You know, there's a reason that every state premier in the country does a daily press conference, uh, because people are tuning in and they're watching it and they want to know what's going on. Uh, And they've they've got a a feel for the local as much as anything else. Um, So I'm actually quite optimistic that... uh, what the community wants uh, is is what they are uh, really starting to demand. Um, so uh, a push for more diversity and options for how we support uh, smaller publishers, more independent publishers uh, like your own and others. Uh, you know, those there is going to be more public support for those types of incentives than we've ever seen before, and I think that's a really good thing. Uh, there is obviously um, a greater... Uh, cynicism and an ability to critique what is being presented by kind of the the major mastheads and I think that's a healthy thing uh, for democracy as much as uh, anything else Um, and frankly again the uh, example of News Limited having to kind of uh, you know swallow their pride and announce that they're going to do something that at least acknowledges climate change uh, is 
uh, a symbol of the power of uh, the consumer, the news consumer and the community expecting better. So, um, well, I'm not going to spoil all of the things in the report uh, and all the recommendations. I can tell you I am uh, far from doomsday on this. I'm actually really optimistic. Well, we'll have to read it and see. Uh, Senator Sarah Hansen-Young, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Cam. It's wonderful to be here. That was Greens Senator Sarah Hansen-Young. Thank you so much to her for joining us. Thank you so much for doing that interview, by the way, Cam. My connection dropped out because we are, of course, living in the future and all this teleconferencing is supposed to be as smooth as possible, but instead nothing ever works the way you'd like it to. So you basically had to do most of that single-handedly, and I appreciate it. (laughs) Yes, things going well in 2021 as usual. Okay, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for joining us. Um, A few things we should just plug before we go. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Please review us on the podcasting platforms. I think actually, Sammy, we made it up to number 12 on the news charts for Apple Podcast uh, last week. So I don't know, maybe we... Yeah, really. So who knows? Maybe if we, we, we do really well out of this, we could crack the top 10. That would be unbelievable. And if a little bit of that magic could make its way to my new podcast, News Weekly, that's W-E-A-K-L-Y, you can find that on your podcasting apps as well. I would be ever grateful. Yes, definitely subscribe to that. And if you haven't already, please join the Murdocracy Facebook group. Uh, We will be in that during the week. So you don't have to just hear from us once a week. You can hear from us digitally then as well. That is it for me. Thank you so much, Sammy. Thank you so much, Cam. Bye for now.